Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Meg here. I'm Michael. I'm Brennan. And we're going to be talking about the Orla today by... Guy de Mausipan. Okay. So this genre is kind of a psychological horror, and as we go through the summary, you'll kind of understand why. Yeah. Uh, we start off the story with uh, our main character. He is not named. Uh, he goes down to a river, and he sees this boat, which is kind of like a gateway to his insanity. And the rest of the story kind of uh, escalates into him, uh, into his mental state deteriorating. Uh, he is more or less haunted by uh, a ghost, which he dubs the Orla, which is the name, coincidentally. Uh, but that's all you really need to know. Um, the author's purpose their reason for writing this. Uh, Guy de Mausipont is uh, he's an author in the naturalist movement. Uh, naturalism is well, sorry, naturalist texts go in the direction that the main protagonist always wastes away and dies to his own hubris. And that's very apparent in this story. No. Interesting that happens is this book is written in a journal format. Um, basically, what it is, he has these dates and he just writes an entry every other day. What's really interesting is you, because of the way that this is written, you can tell and listen, listen or read to his mental state as it deteriorates. Sometimes he'll, he'll write an entry every day, but sometimes it'll end up being a month later or a few weeks later. And sometimes you can tell when his mental state is really bad is when he only writes just a little bit and he's just panicked because of this, as we clarified earlier, the Orla is terrorizing him, basically. And he's not technically really a reliable source because this comes from a journal entry. We don't know, we don't have any third party to be able to let us know if what he's seeing is actually happening. Like the boat we described in the beginning, we don't even know if that boat was there or if it was some sort of phantom that he saw that let the Orla come into his life. And with the, with the journal entry style of writing, it gives a really unique first-hand sight into what the writer is thinking and feeling. It lets you feel, like, see their thoughts directly. And you can tell his mental state is deteriorating through the way he writes. Sometimes it feels a little more flowy, so like he's appreciating the smaller things in life. And sometimes it feels more desperate and drastic, like he's writing bef right before something comes to take him away. And what's really like terrifying about that is that he'll switch between that flowery writing and that erratic desperation on the drop of a dime in the same entry. It's horrifying. It is really creepy. Later on he describes them like going on in through the forest, it's close to the end of the book, and he describes like this beautiful rose, but all of a sudden for no apparent reason it's like a hand snapped it off. It's like, oh look at this pretty, it's beautiful, it's light, nothing can get me. But then the supernatural happens to this rose and it's like, uh, no, we are not safe anymore. And it's just really freaky. One could almost call it sporadic bipolar. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Another thing that this book could be describing is back then we didn't have very much information on mental disorders. We still are learning a lot about mental disorders. Nowadays, we still don't know enough. 
and what he could be going through is many, many different. He could be having schizophrenia. Let's see what else. Even like uh, with his not not being able to sleep, uh, sleep deprivation can cause you to have hallucinations. So we don't even know. Like sleep paralysis. Mm-hmm. It's, he does explain in, very early on when he first meets the Orla that he can't move in his bed. He feels like someone is pressing on his chest, which is a huge red flag for sleep paralysis. Yeah. And this story is very much a classic. Uh, we, uh, it's still taught all over the world in uh, many different languages. Uh, and so we want to... Uh, sort of anal- analyze why this is such a classic. It's, it has to, it, it is about that journal entry. It's about, uh, it's about how it's something that we all do. We all record our thoughts. We all do it in some method or another. I know for a fact that if I were to lose my phone, one of the biggest losses would be my notes app because I, I, I record so much there. And because it's such an intimate thing that we all do, the fact that Malsipon kind of perverts it towards uh, showing this main character as losing his mind is uh, just something that connects and terrifies us all, I'd say. I'd say. I'd agree. I agree with you right there. One of the interesting things, so this is slipping onto a different book, but um, I believe we've all read The Diary of Anne Frank, but that's another way of kind of like reading what was happening and just kind of really freaky way to put someone, put yourself in someone else's shoes, especially with uh, this char- unnamed character in our book, The Orla, being that person that's have being terrorized by this ghost or phantom or maybe his own imagination, we don't know. Because reading, reading a story from a third-person point of view, it, it's one thing, but reading it from a first-person point of view and giving you that first-hand experience of it, it's a totally different ballgame. It's, it's terrifying, in my opinion. I got, I got really, really scared, especially in the very end when he decides to confront, quote-unquote, confront this Orla, and he ends up burning his house down and killing almost all of his servants on the inside. One of the most troubling things to me about that was that he felt no remorse for what he'd done. He only felt fear that the Orla was not yet dead. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of weird because at the very end, we, we don't even know if he killed himself or not. Maybe he just like left his journal. Maybe that was his source of freedom or something. Or he could have ended up committing suicide. And that's a very scary thought, especially as someone who has gone through that before. It's really unknown as freaky. He, he also, he, he take your time. <laughs> it's all good. We got the time. Uh, Mousy Pont is really a master of his craft. He actually knew, like quick fact about him he contracted syphilis and he got to like later stages of it so he knew like madness on a very intimate level and i like how he's how this is not his first story nor is it his last but it's by far the one that most resonates with people he is a master in the prime of his work experiencing a little madness and and showing how every one of us has madness within us. 
Yeah, exactly. I feel like it touches down on all bases in that sense. Mm -hmm. It makes you feel the empathy for the guy and what he's going through, but it also touches down on your personal experiences because everyone gets paranoid of something, whether it's that noise you heard in your house at night oh, or what yes. could be around that corner. See, I'm home alone a lot, so it's always freaking me out. So I'm like, oh my gosh, was what that was a, that sound? Was that a door shutting or was that just the refrigerator making ice, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and... It's those inferences that the text helps us make and the inferences that we make in those moments of horror that kind of really endear us to that. Like, we all think to ourselves, what happened to the cheese? He thinks, what happened to the water? It's that disappearing thing that we think we know, but we don't. And, like, there's... An, like, Masipong saturates this and drives his character into madness, which is fantastic, but... For those who didn't understand what was going on, so in the book, uh, our unnamed character, what he does is he runs tests by leaving out food and drinks to see if, by the morning, if they disappear. That's what we were just talking about right there. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying. We all have experienced the, my food is... My food has disappeared. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that book was moved slightly from the left from where I left it. So, yeah. You can really eat... Oh, I can never pronounce it right. Masipon. Uh, it's a very good way of spinning these stories and snaring into it. Yeah. And so, I think we should end here. We've, we've touched on most of the points that we should have. And... I think, I think this is a great place to stop. Uh, I don't know. It's a great story. You should read it. Any last minute thoughts? Uh, thank you for listening to us, and I hope you guys have a good rest of your day. This has been Meg, Michael, and Brennan. We'll see you later. Signing off.